Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good to be in the house of God this morning. Yes. Fantastic. Well, I don't know about you, but for me, COVID-19 has been a time to stop and evaluate things. Anyone in the room today or online who would agree with me that it's been an incredible opportunity to stop, to see that, to have that pregnant pause and to evaluate things. What things? Everything. For me, I've been able to evaluate where I'm at. I've been able to look deep into the recesses of my life and and, uh, say, where am I at? It's given me an opportunity to look at our marriage and, and, and assess our marriage. And I would love to tell you that every moment of COVID locked away was a happily married couple. That's just not the case. Are there any married couples out there that may have had a moment of tension at least once or twice? Anyone know what I'm on about? Just me. I see that hand, you're a brave man. You're dead when you get home, but you're a brave man. And uh, not only that, but our family. Been an opportunity to reassess where our family's at. And also as a pastor, it's given me an opportunity to reassess where we as a church are at. And I wanna tell you, I've really enjoyed this season of lockdown. I've hated it and I've loved it. Anyone feel a little bit like that? A little bit bittersweet? I've enjoyed the time to myself to be able to think about these things that I've been talking about. And it's given me an opportunity to think about where we're at as a church. And that's kind of prompted this series that we're about to launch today that I've simply entitled Church Rediscovered. Church Rediscovered. And over the next few weeks, we want to unpack this thought to you today. And there've been some COVID lockdown thoughts. And I've got to be honest with you, there are some thoughts I'm still mulling through. I haven't arrived at some conclusions, but I'm arriving at some conclusions. And I just think this is an incredible opportunity for us to just go back in time and look at what it is that the church should be doing. In other words, I think it's a good opportunity for us to push the spiritual reset button of the church. And I know there's a lot of pastor friends of mine who feel very similar about this. And so we're kind of having a bit of a stock take, a bit of a pushing the reset button. I don't know about you, but uh, if you're anything like me and your computer or your phone gets glitchy, I just throw it to a young person. I say, oh, this stupid thing. And and invariably Dan will say this to me because Dan's our youth pastor. He's also the guy who seems to know all things technology. Uh, In actual fact, anyone under 30 on our team, they just just throw it to them. And they'll say this, they'll say, have you turned it off? Apparently when you turn it off and reboot it, and restart it, it actually solves 90% of all your problems. And so for us, I think this has been an opportunity for us just to push the spiritual reset button of the church at this time. And so this series is an opportunity for us to say, what is the church? What is the church? What should the church be doing in this time? And and what should the church not be doing in this time? And this is what I know, you know, there is conflicts within any church or any organisation, any family, any marriage. And so it's an opportunity for us to just look into that. Uh, This I know, if anything is ordained by God, it will face opposition. And you can take this thought to the bank. If God is there, the enemy will will be there. 
He wants to kill, steal and destroy all that is good and all that is God. But thank God for Jesus who came that we might have life and have it to the full. Can I get an Amen this morning? Are you awake this morning in the 11am service? You can't let the 9am service be louder than the 11am service. I mean, come on, you guys had to sleep in. You've had a big breakfast. So come on, we want a little bit of response today. And so what is the church? How would you define it? I'm not asking you to shout an answer out right now, but how would you define the church? And whatever your view is, I dare say probably it's at best limited, at worst erroneous, but more than likely it's possibly a little bit skewed. And the reason it's a little bit skewed is because of culture, it's because of experience, or possibly even because of a little bit of ignorance. And so I want to start this series and I want to, I want to saturate it in prayer because I, I need help to share this series today because I think it's got a big bearing on our future and where we go as a church. So will you join with me in prayer online right now? That'd be awesome. Father, we just thank You that You are the Head of Your church and that You are in control. You are over all, You are in all and You are working all things together for the good. And I just prayed this morning, And I pray over these next few weeks as we unpack this thought about the church being rediscovered, You would help me to preach it and You would help us to hear it and You'd help us to understand it. Holy Spirit, breathe Your life into this message. Breathe Your life into this service. Breathe Your life into every ear that is listening online that we may hear, see and know what the Spirit of God is saying to us at this time. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' Name. And everyone said... Amen. Thank you, Jacob. Doing a great job. We'll get you back in just a little while. Let's put our hands together for Jacob and the whole team for that matter. Awesome. So the question is, what is a church? Well, in order to know what the church is, let's first look at what it's not. What it's not. And the church, first and foremost, is not a building. The church is not a building. We are sitting in a building. I'm grateful for this building. This building has provided many, many opportunities for us to gather together and have incredible moments. I'm grateful for it. But the church essentially is not a building. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not a building. Maybe online you can write in the comments, it's not a building. The church is not a building. Secondly, it's not an institution. Yes, we have a history but we're not bound by it. In other words, we haven't become institutionalised. We're not bound by our past. We have a glorious future and we don't want our past to rob us of our future. We want to draw from the past. We want to learn from the past, but we don't want to be dictated by it. You know, when something's become an institution, when they say, oh, we've always done it this way. We are not an institution. The church is not an institution. The church, thirdly, is not a place I go. Yes, we go to church, but it's not a place you go. These things I'm talking about, there are elements of truth to what I'm saying, but essentially the church is not a place that we go. Fourthly, it's not an event I attend. Have we ever had events? Absolutely. And we will continue to have events, but you need to know with every event we have, the church is not an event I attend. And lastly, and this is more recent for us, church is not something I watch online. And I don't know about you, I'm grateful for online church. Without online church in these last 15 weeks, we would have been in a lot of trouble. So I'm grateful for technology. I'm grateful for online. And there are numbers of people right now watching it online. But essentially, church is not something that we watch online. Are you with me today? Yes? 
Fantastic. So in order to know what the church is, we must go back to the beginning. I'm a great believer in having a strong Genesis. If we wanna know why we do what we do, we've gotta go back to the beginning. Would that be fair to say? And so we have to go back to the beginning. And that means we have to go back beyond 200 years, beyond John Wesley and the Methodist movement. We have to go beyond that. We have to go beyond 500 years ago with the Great Reformation through Martin Luther and the incredible work that he did. Thank God for men like that. But we have to go back further than 500 years. We have to go back further than 1700 years to the time of Constantine and what he did. In order for us to know what the church is and what it did and what it should be doing today, we have to go back 2000 years ago to the very first church. And that's what this series is going to do. And as we unpack it, you'll see that's the plan and that's the heart behind this particular series. And so if you have your Bibles, open to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Acts is all about what the early church did. And it came from a strong commitment and a strong belief. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, Those who accepted the message were baptised and about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. It goes on to say that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It says everyone, I mean, this is a miracle. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that had been performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together, say together, And they had everything in common. They sold their property and their possessions and gave to everyone as they had need. And every day they continued to meet in the courts and meet together in the temple. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. So based upon this passage of Scripture, what is the church? And for me, it's really quite simple. But don't let the simplicity of what I'm about to say rob you of the depth and the weight of what I'm about to say. What is the church for me? The church is simply a spiritual family that I belong to. The church is a spiritual family that I belong to. It's a spiritual family that you belong to. You see, when we are born, we are born into a human family. We become part of the human race. And at present, there's some 7.8 billion people on the planet. We had no say in it, but here we are. Turn to the person next to you and say, look at you, here you are. Online, look at you. Here you are. But when you're born again, we are born again into God's family. And unlike the first birth, this is a birth of choice. And it takes place when we accept Jesus as our Saviour. And when we do that, at that moment, we become a member of God's family. And it's the best choice that a man, woman or child can ever make. And I believe it's a great opportunity and we're going to give you that opportunity in the service just a little bit later on. You see, the church, I believe, is the most magnificent concept ever created by God. Rick Warren says it this way, It has survived persistent abuse, horrifying persecution and widespread neglect. Yet in spite, it is still, get this, God's chosen instrument to bring blessing to the earth today. The church has the largest participation. Do you know this, that there are over 2 billion believers on the planet today. It has the widest distribution. Every town, tribe that you go to, you'll see a church. You ever driven through Adelaide, uh, through Australia in the outback and, and you get to a little town and guess what? There's a church. It's an amazing thing to me. It has the longest continuation. 
We celebrate a business that goes 50 years. I mean, we celebrated 25 years as a church last year. It seems like a long time, but the church has been around for the last 2,000 years. It's an amazing thing. It has the fastest expansion. Do you know that over 60,000 people are coming to Christ every day throughout the world? That's an amazing thing. And it also has the greatest motivation, the love of Jesus Christ. It's the greatest motivation. It has the highest authorization. In the name of Jesus, things will be done. Amen. And it also has the most glorious conclusion. He's coming back one day for His bride. I mean, it is just an amazing, amazing privilege to be part of God's family. And God's family is what He calls the church. Everyone shout out to me, the church. Amen. And this is what the early church gave itself to. You see, the early church were a really committed bunch of men and women. They committed themselves to worship. Say worship. They committed themselves to leadership. Say leadership. They committed themselves to fellowship. Say fellowship. They committed themselves to discipleship. Say discipleship. They committed themselves to stewardship. They say stewardship. Have you noticed, church, that there's a lot of ship that took place in the early church? Yeah, that's the nervous laughter I got in the 9am. But bear with me, it gets better. Because I firmly believe with all of my heart for the church to be all that God has called her to be, we have to get our ship together. We say, oh, the church isn't this, the church isn't that. But maybe, just maybe, we've just got to get back to some of these ships. Ship must happen in the church. I'm pushing it now, aren't I? And we want to talk about some of these ships over the next few weeks. And today, the subtitle of my message is simply this. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The early church came, came together, first and foremost, to worship Him, to worship Jesus. You see, our commitment to the church first comes out of our commitment to Jesus. And today, I want to highlight four things, four important facts about Jesus and the church. And I hope this will be really, really helpful to us understanding the connection today. Because let's be honest, there's a, there's a, a bit of a disconnection between Jesus and the church. I think some people say, I love Jesus, I just can't stand the church. And we want, we want to address that very notion that is very prevalent today. I don't mind people saying it, but you've got to be, if you're going to say that, I want you to sit down and listen to my response to that thought and that notion and that accusation that is out there. And to be honest, I kind of get where that's coming from. And so I empathise with you, but let, let's delve into the Word of God and let's not go uh, be emotion driven. Let's not be feelings driven, but let's get into the Word of God and find out what God has to say about the connection between Jesus and His church. Amen. Yeah. And the first thing is simply this. Number one, and you can write these things down. Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head of the church. In other words, He's the brains of the church. He said, I will build my church. It's His church. It's not my church. It's not your church. I'm the senior pastor of Victory Church, but he's the head honcho. He's the chief shepherd. He's the senior pastor of the global church. The church was his idea. He's in charge. He's the man. And we need to submit to him. 
Do you know submission simply means to come under the mission of? And our role is to come under the mission of Jesus. And that's where there's a great connection between the church because His passion is to grow the church. His mission is to grow the church. And if we're gonna submit to Jesus, we're gonna submit to His mission. You know, when Kath and I got married, Kath stood before a company of people and said, I submit. She used the word submit in her vows to me. And some of her non-Christian friends who were at our wedding were shocked because if you know Kath, you know she's a strong woman. She's an opinionated woman. She has opinions, does my wife. She really does. She's a strong, competent, secure woman. And yet here she was using this word submit. And her friends were freaking out because they don't understand what submit means. Because to many people, submit means become a doormat. Do as you're told, have no opinions. And if you know Kath, I've been married for 28 years, over 28 years. We dated for eight years before that. We've been together for a long time. And yet she's still strong. She's still competent. She hasn't lost her strength. And yet I can categorically tell you, she was a woman who has submitted to me. What does that mean? It means that before we got married, we spoke about our life. We spoke about where we wanted to be, what we wanted to do, what we wanted to achieve. We created a mission for our lives. And then for the rest of our married life, it was about submitting to that mission. That's where the word submission comes into play. And so as the senior pastor of this church, I'm under authority. I have to submit to the mission of Jesus Christ, not pander to what people want to hear or what they want to do. And this notion and that notion about the church, we are on mission church. And for us to fulfil that mission, we have to submit to the senior pastor of this church, who is Jesus Christ Himself, who does not or did not live a life full of comfort, and uh, self-seeking, but no, He came to serve. Why should we serve? Because the senior pastor of our church, Jesus Christ, served. That was His mission to help people and to grow His family called the church. And not only is He the head, not only is the brains behind the church, He's also the cornerstone of the church, the Bible tells us, which means He's the foundation. Not only is He leading the church, but He's holding the church together. He's the foundation of this church. My confidence in this church is not in me and it's not in Kath and it's not in our leadership team. It's actually in the fact that Jesus Christ has this church in His hands. He has the global church in His hands. And though the best of hell has thrown itself at the church, she still stands and she's still growing and she's stronger today than she's ever been before. Don't listen to the lies and rumours that are out there. The church is still God's number one and only plan for the world today. And I wanna be a church that is known for a love that it has for Jesus. I don't wanna be known for our good coffee. And yes, I want good coffee. I mean, we don't wanna be an international roast church. We don't wanna be that. We we certainly don't wanna be a Nescafe church. We wanna have good coffee. We want to have great facilities. We want to have great music. Yes, but that's not what I want to be known for. If Victory Church is only known for good coffee, we've done something wrong. If we're only known for the great music or if we're only known for the great show, we're doing something wrong. I want to be known as a group of people that you know what? They don't always get it right, but gee, they love Jesus. Who wants to be known as a church that is madly and passionately in love with Jesus? I do. I do. Why? Because He's madly and passionately in love with me as He's madly and passionately in love with you. And I want to be known as a church that reflects that love. Jesus, we're madly and passionately in love with you. Can I get an Amen today? 
See, our identity is not found in our coffee. It's not found in our buildings. It's found in Him. In actual fact, the the phrase in Him is, is mentioned many, many times over and over again in the Scriptures. It's in Him. It's in Him. It's in Him. You want strength, you'll find it in Him. You want peace, it's found in Him. You Who wants more joy? Well, it's found in Him. All the things that we desire, all those basic human needs are found in Him. And when we try and find them in other things, it's always going to lead us down the garden path and into trouble. But it's in Him that we find joy, peace, hope, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. All those things are found in Him. And worship is simply our love of Him and our commitment to Him. And the early church were committed to worshipping Jesus first and foremost. And I believe this is just foundational to everything that I'm about to say in the rest of this series. And not only that, Jesus is also building His church. He's not only the head of the church, but He's also building the church. He said, I will build my church. In other words, Jesus' sole vision is to build the church. In actual fact, it's the only thing He's building the earth today. He's not building businesses. He's not building nations or organisations. He's building His church. And it's the only thing He's coming back for. The only thing that's gonna prompt Jesus to leave heaven one more time is to come and collect His bride, His church, His people. And the good news is He wants to build His church with you and me. He wants to build His church with us. He's building His church, but He wants us to help Him build His church. And in order for us to build the church, we have to have a revelation, first and foremost, of who He is. I'm about to read a Scripture and it's probably the one Scripture I've read probably more from this platform than any other Scripture. And it's found in Matthew chapter 16. And many of you will know where I'm going with this, but in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asks the question, who do the people say that I am? And when it was what they say, there was lots of opinions. So then Jesus personalises that question And he says, well, what about you? Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 says, what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And it went a little bit quiet, let's be honest. And it was only Simon Peter who answered. He said, you're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, And on this rock, I will build my church and get this and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Isn't that good? Basically, that's telling me in Christ, we win. The church will be around for another thousand years or another 2,000 years, however long it is before Jesus Christ comes, the church will be on planet Earth. Amen? And so we see that this uh, revelation is required in order to build the church because it was Peter who answered. And Peter's name at that time was Simon. He was known as Simon. And when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? It was only Simon who spoke up. And he had this revelation. He said, you're not just a good man. You're a God man. You're You're not just a teacher. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. You're the one that's been prophesied about. And Jesus said, wow, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you. In other words, this isn't information. This is revelation. If you want to build a church, you need revelation, not just information. And Peter had a revelation that this is the Messiah. And Jesus blesses him. And because of this revelation, Jesus in turn gives Peter a revelation. Peter has a revelation about who Jesus is. And then Jesus gives Peter a revelation about who he is. 
In other words, you'll never know who you are until you know whose you are. And Peter had this revelation, you're the Christ. He says, that's true. And I wanna tell you something about you. You've been known as Simon, but I'm gonna give you a name change and you'll become like Peter, strong and solid. You're gonna be like a rock and it's on you that I'm gonna build my church. And so we see that Peter has a revelation of Jesus. Then he has a revelation of who he is. And then as a result, he gets a purpose for his life. And I believe that's what God wants to do for each and every one of us. I believe that's why we exist as a church in order to help people find God find a community in which we can grow and as a result, find our purpose. And so Peter is here the rest of his life. He knows I'm here to build the church. I know who I am. I know whose I am. And I know what I've been called to do. You see, Jesus had a vision, a strategy and the people to build His church. And He's still looking for people to help Him build His church here on planet Earth. And this series hopefully will awaken our desire to be involved, but make sure it's on the right foundation. Are you with me today? Number three, Jesus commissioned the church. He commissioned the church. He's not only the head of the church, He's not only building the church, but He commissioned the church. In other words, Jesus is both the good shepherd, He's the there, 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 God. He's the I love you, come here, give me a hug, God. He's the good shepherd, but He's also the great commissioner. He said, now get out there and do some work. He's the good shepherd, shepherd at the same time, He's the great commissioner. He gathered them and He sent them. We see that in Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In this good news. See, God loves it when we gather together, but He wants His family to grow. He loves that we're together, but He doesn't want us to become a, a little cliche clique that removes itself from the rest of the world. Yeah. No, He wants us to gather together, to get what we need when we yeah. can only gather together. Yeah. But then He wants to send us out. Yeah. And this is great for Sunday, but there's also Monday through to Saturday. Yeah. And He wants us to be on mission wherever we are. Yeah. Why? Because He desires to see more and more people yeah. be part of His church yeah. and be part of His family. Let's be honest. And we had this in the 9am, a young couple celebrating being pregnant and we celebrated. I said, hey, Josh and Laura are expecting their first child. Isn't that awesome? And everyone went, yes. Can you imagine someone standing up saying, that's not good? No. No, no one did that. Everyone's happy. The expansion of a family, this is good news. And so it is with the church. Every time we reach out, every time we step out in love, every time we help someone, every time the family of God grows, angels in heaven rejoice. The Bible says angels rejoice over one sinner. Why? Because the family of God is growing. So being given birth, it's just exciting. Yes, there's lots of work ahead, but it's exciting days. And so God's heart is yes that we gather, but also that we scatter into our universities, into our schools, into our workplace, into our shopping malls and actually do the work. One of the things I've really loved about this lockdown season is that we've been able to do a couple of things that we never did before. And one is online church. And I love online church. I don't believe it replaces the gathering together, but I think it has its place. And we'll talk more about that later in this series. But one thing I've loved about it is given me an opportunity to invite people that I know family and friends of mine that are far from God to have a soft entry and a soft launch into who we are, what we believe and what church looks like. And I think I speak on behalf of many, many people. You've had family and friends of yours who are not Christians who have been checking church out online. Let me see a show of hands. Who's who's had someone you know who's checked us out online? Fantastic. I mean, that is awesome. What an incredible tool. What an incredible tool. I, I thank God that that has been birthed out of this COVID season. Another initiative we have done is 
feel good Fridays. Because of COVID making everyone feel down and, and suicidal and mental health being on the rise, we thought, what can we do to bring a little bit of community cheer? And so we've opened up our car park and we've put a barista out there with a coffee machine and we wanted to do good coffee. So we had our best baristas out there and, and we had people from the community just driving by getting free coffee. And, and I have loved the colourful language. I love being around Christian uh, non-Christians that don't use Christian language. I love the colourful language and, and there they are, you know, with so many Fs and Bs and, and kind of all this language being thrown around and then what's the catch and, and just being able to speak into people's lives. We had one guy who's you know, a little bit more on the arrogant side, a little bit sceptical, and he walked off and, and we thought, what was all that about? And as he was leaving, he said, thanks for not shoving religion down my throat. I thought, wow, that, that's a win. Yeah. That's a win. He, he, in other words, he came expecting something but didn't get what he was expecting. And that's a good thing. We have an opportunity to be salt and we have an opportunity to be light. Another couple of guys came for the first time on Friday and we were just asking what we're doing and why we're doing it. I said, well, it's Friday and we want you to feel good. Hence, feel good Friday. Do you feel good? Look at your smile. And he's smiling. He goes, well, this is amazing. He said, hey, if I gave you my number and I gave you my address, would I better come and help you anytime you need help? I said, no, you can't. You're not a Christian. No, I didn't. I didn't. All those online, I didn't. I didn't. Don't turn off. I didn't. I said, yes, absolutely. We introduced him to Sam, got his details, showed him around the church. And we've had that happening week after week after week after week. Why? Because I love you less? No, I still love you. But man, this place has got room for more. Yeah. It's got room for more. Jesus Christ commissioned the church. And number four, for the sake of time, as the band come up, that'd be awesome. Jesus loves the church. This is important. This is important. Jesus loves the church. And this I know to be true. Jesus loves the church more than the church loves the church. How do I know that? Because I've heard some of your complaints. I've heard some of your thoughts about the church. We need to do this, we need to do that. And, and you know what? I've heard my complaints. And my eternal reminder is, hang on, Jesus loves the church. He loves the church. He's madly and passionately in love, not only with the world, but the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loves the church. Isn't that amazing? Jesus loves the church. And to love Jesus is to love what He loves. And Jesus loves the church. And when we attack the church, we attack Jesus. You know, in the book of Acts, there's this man by the name of Saul. He's a religious leader and he's putting the church to death. He's, he's literally putting Christians to death. He was a man we read about giving approval to Stephen stoning. And Stephen died before Saul's very eyes. And Saul saw how it pleased the religious people. And so he went on a quest to destroy the church. And he thought, one day I'm going to go to Damascus. And he was on his way to Damascus. And he had this God encounter. He's talking about a revelation. He was on his horse and, and Jesus stood before him. And basically, quite literally, knocked Paul off his, or Saul off his high horse. And this is the words that Jesus said to Saul that day. Get this, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute the church? This is what Jesus said. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Yeah. You know, Saul would have been well within his rights to say, I'm not, I'm persecuting the church. I've got no problem with you, Jesus, I'm persecuting the church. Yeah. But Jesus doesn't separate yeah, himself from the church. Yeah. 
He loves the church. The church is His bride. You know, for us to say, I love Jesus, but I hate the church, it's kind of like you saying to me, hey, Tony, I love you over for dinner because I love you, man. But please don't bring your wife because I can't stand her. Now, I don't know about you, but as a husband, if I, if I go to that house and say, honey, I've been invited out, so cool, they love me. There's something wrong with my relationship with Kath. You know, we're a two for one. If you get me, you get Kath. And Jesus in the church is a two for one. Now, I know the church isn't perfect. And the reason I know the church isn't perfect is because you're in it. And you, and you, and you, and you, and me. And wherever people are, there is imperfection. So if you're looking for a perfect church, you'll never find one. And I believe it's one of the greatest strategies of the enemy to get us looking at people instead of Jesus. That's why there's so much movement in the church or there's so much falling away from the church because we're looking at people instead of Jesus. This early church were committed to worship first. We need to be people that worship Him. He loves the church and He never gives up on us. You know what? The test of our love for God really is seen in how we relate to people. That's the biggest test. It's easy to love Jesus. He's perfect. What's not to love about Jesus? But to love the imperfections in us and one another, that's taxing. But Jesus basically put it this way. He says, if you want to fulfil the law, love God, love people. And I've got to be honest with you, loving God's a lot easier because He's perfect in every way and He's beautiful. Church, right where we are, can we just stand? And maybe those watching online, you can just enter in just a moment of worship. We're not going to be long, but let's just enter in for a little moment of worship as we reflect upon who He is. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 